Hello, and welcome to Milwaukee Rep's Community Conversations podcast. My name is Courtney McInary, and I'm the Director of Community Engagement here at The Rep. Each season, we invite dozens of community leaders to connect the stories on our stages with the stories of Milwaukee through a series of panel discussions. These discussions are a part of our Community Conversations series dedicated to Milwaukee Rep's mission of igniting positive change through world-class theater that inspires meaningful dialogue. You can attend these panel discussions by checking out our events calendar online at milwaukeerep.com. All Community Conversations events are free and open to the public or you can join us from the comfort of your home as we stream the panels on Facebook Live. You can also do what you're doing right now and listen in afterwards via our Community Conversations podcast. Hi, this is Nupra Nelson, the Community Engagement Associate at Milwaukee Rep. Today's panel is on the topic of the co-opting of social movements and is presented in conjunction with our performance of Animal Farm. The panelists who joined us for this discussion are Mary Kay Nelson, Outreach Coordinator and Past President of the League of Women Voters of Milwaukee County, Casey Kemp, Associate Director of Safe and Sound, Emilio De Torre, Director of Community Engagement at the ACLU of Wisconsin, and Ray Boynes, Founder and Creative Director of FLY. And it was moderated by yours truly. Enjoy. First of all, let's just get some of your reactions to the play itself. Uh, how do you see this play being relevant to social movements today? And perhaps in that question, you can talk about a little bit more about your work with social movements in Milwaukee. It's all false news. Hey, news. My name is Emilio, and uh, I work at the ACLU for half 12 years. And so give me a second. I think all this needs a uh, moment to be pressed from such a a boisterous, lighthearted comedy. Uh, I think a lot of it's really relative. I mean, you watch this, and you watch uh, how folks will uh, tell themselves certain things and shoulder certain responsibilities and keep plodding through, hoping there's a silver lining. I'm Mary Kay with the League of Women Voters. Uh, one of the things that came across to me is education and a knowledge of history, and that when you have people that are poor, are hungry, are not educated. They become followers instead of thinkers and analyzers. So I really think a knowledge of history and uh, being educated and being to access the truth, maybe when you talk about what's the truth, but uh, being able to, to do that is really an important thing. And you could see in the play how um, people were manipulated because they were hungry and they didn't have what they needed. Hi, my name is Casey. I work for Safe and Sound. Um, and we work on neighborhood safety in Milwaukee. Uh, one of the things that I took from it was that everybody on your side is not, doesn't always have the best intentions, right? Like, I think we want to be able to say these people are good and these people are bad. And everybody on our side is good and everybody on the other side is bad. And that's not always the case. There are things that people have within themselves that make them um, not want to, or to do things that you don't think they should, right? And so I really took that to heart. I think we have to be uh, just more 
walking with our eyes open. And that's kind of what I'm Hi everybody, my name is Rahaniel Boynes, uh, founder of FLY. FLY is an acronym that stands for Feel Like You're Everything. It's uh, F-L-Y-E, that's how it's spelled. Uh, incorrect on purpose. But, uh, so what I got from it was, uh, as I reflected the work that I do, is uh, looking at some of those things that you highlighted, uh, when people are hungry, when people are uh, let's just say hungry for taking that into consideration. They don't necessarily care about education. You know, so I look at how that's uh, reflective a lot of a lot of the young people we try to impact today. Uh, we say, oh, go to school, get a good education. And you know, a lot of these kids, like their only meal of the day is at school. So they're not even thinking about oh, I need to educate myself. So you do find somebody that is like, oh, well, this person said it's right, so it must be right, even if it's wrong for you. So what I saw is the constant struggle, and not struggle, but the, the constant battle in getting people to understand that they do have power, they do have control in their lives, no matter where on the totem pole you are, you do have the capacity to change your life. You can just change the way you think. And it just reminded me of that consistent uh, fight that we do every day trying to encourage young people that they do matter and they can change their circumstances despite how hungry you are. Yeah, we can help you with the hunger, we'll figure that out, but don't ever give up on your drive or your will to live and control your own destiny. This is a big question of the, the play in general. How can social organizing stay true to its purpose while effectively advancing its cause? I'll start with that one. Um, just a little background, the League of Women Voters had, we have our roots in the women's suffrage movement. We've been around since 1920, just before women got the vote. We're all volunteers. And we're nonpartisan, which means we don't endorse any political party or candidates. But our mission today is almost the same as it was in the 20s. It's to educate voters, to encourage, to have an informed electorate, to uh, have people be involved in their government. So to kind of build on what Ray said, um, yeah, we do need to figure out. I'm a retired. MPS early childhood teachers. So I have worked with kids. But I have worked with kids who do come to school hungry and, and not clean and and you know families living, you know, hanging by their toenails and kids who have been removed from their parents because their parents couldn't take care of them. But building on what he said is is you know how we build people up. And one of the league does lots of things, but one of our big things is voter education and working on voting rights. We've been doing it longer than the ACLU. <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> but you know when we talk 
talk about equality, the polling place is the one place where we truly all are equal. Ray gets one vote, I get one vote, um, Bill Gates gets one vote, you know, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> no, that's a dad joke. That's a old joke. But, you know, one of the things we really need to encourage people to do is vote, and we need to let them know that their vote's their voice, and that's one of the ways. There are many ways, but that's one of the ways that we really can make a difference is by encouraging everyone that's eligible to to get off their butts and vote. So, um, so I like to describe the ACLU as referees between the government and people. We're nonpartisan as well, and getting to your question about co-option, I, I think it's, it's really valuable that we, we cross-examine ourselves and question ourselves. So let's take a look at bad examples of uh, policy or things that other ACLU affiliates have done. Um, we're ACLU Wisconsin specifically, but there are 53 other affiliates, including Puerto Rico. And uh, usually bad decisions are those totalitarian ones. Somebody is sitting somewhere else and they decide what's good for you. So um, using voting rights for an example, it might be there is no definable voting fraud in the state. We just spent $2 million to look for it, didn't find any, but we're going to now make more stringent voter ID requirements to combat a problem that doesn't exist for you. Thus has spoken the poet. Uh, we like to do, uh, you know, we have a lot of different things uh, we're working on currently, whether it's uh, working on a constitutional uh, racial profiling, or a lawsuit here against the Milwaukee Police Department, the mistreatment of juveniles that uh, we have remanded to places like Lincoln Hills, where they're using bear spray or 90-day solitary confinement on children. For example, I didn't. I want to wear my flip-flops into the shower. I don't want athlete's foot. I piss off the guard. He gives me 30 days solitary. They ask me if I learned my lesson. I tell him fuck off. Give me another 60 days solitary confinement in a 10 by 12 room. Not appropriate, and so we have to keep questioning it because these are the people in whom we invested power. So to prevent co-option, we need to do things in uh, cooperative. So these things that we may get credit for in the newspapers are actually done as part of broader coalitions. Where I have the pleasure of knowing all of the people on the stage already because I've worked with, or or shared time with, or come to, or been invited with, or invited in turn. Work. I see volunteers that are with me at the Women's March yesterday who are legal observers, whose part is to monitor, we had 23 volunteers yesterday, to work at a demonstration, not because we take a stand pro or con the demonstration, but to make sure that law enforcement respects the rights of the demonstrators. Why? Because we live in a democracy and we have to keep poking and testing and protecting our democracy. And that's not done unilaterally, it's done democratically. Uh, so to prevent co-option, I think you need to constantly re-examine, question, uh, dissent, vote, uh, protest, uh, educate, uh, and, and self-evaluate, which is something folks don't do after a while. Uh, and I'm also, I, I realize I'm espousing something I shouldn't be doing, which is dominating the microphone, so. <laughs> I was thinking that hopefully technology would help us in some of this, as we saw in the play, a lot of it was the rewriting of history. 
And, you know, with technology that we have now, hopefully, you know, that would be a little more impossible than it used to be. Uh, at Safe and Sound, uh, we really uh, do a lot of community organizing in some of the neighborhoods here in Milwaukee. And we always take the stance that uh, we are here to serve uh, the residents of Milwaukee. And we're never here to be a voice for them. We're here to amplify their voice. And I think that's what we always try to do. And I think that's the point. The point of us is serving the people who sometimes are quieted or, or they're easily quieted because they don't have the resources to amplify their own voice. And we want to give them that resource. So I think a lot of times it is just, I mean, putting your own neck on the line. I think that was a part of it too. Nobody in the play wanted to put their own neck on the line. You know, nobody wants to suffer. That's human nature, that we, we don't like to suffer. And I think when you go into some of these uh, contexts that you have to be willing to suffer your own comfortability to make sure that the right thing is done. Um, I think uh, just to touch on that, uh, to go over nobody wants to suffer, uh, it just kind of further makes me think about, we do a lot of creative work, we work with creatives, trying to get them placed with organizations, uh, corporations that are looking for young talent. We know Milwaukee loses a huge percentage of its talent to more attractive cities, right? That offer more resources or opportunities. So when you said resources, uh, it made me think of how uh, the pigs were allocating those resources. And it made me think of Milwaukee as like, Milwaukee is a place, we don't lack resources at all. We just, are, we're real particular in how we distribute those resources, whether that's to certain organizations, certain individuals, it's the same, it's a cycle of the same individuals that continuously get the resources and it never really trickles down to the individuals that really need it, that are out there doing the work, building the windmills uh, after one gets knocked down and having to build up another one. So I think we really need to, one, educate people on the voting, yes, uh, and educate them on voting outside of just the presidential election because locally, the local elections is what's really affecting our lives more. And then by empowering people to understand that their vote really does matter, we can then change the power structure and how those resources are allocated. That's just what I mean. Can I jump on that for a second? So there's great examples of this. I mean, we have prison gerrymandering. So Milwaukeeans are sent out of the county where their vote are accounted for financial reasons in other counties, yet those inmates cannot vote. So there's a resource allocation. Or the, the battle over water now. Uh, water in Waukesha, Milwaukee County, uh, farm businesses getting favorable business deals here where they're gonna use an extensive amount of water, which they will then use to dilute to minimize the amount of uh, toxins per metal. And what benefit to us? And who has decided that our resources are allocated that way? Uh, I'm doubting any of you all got a chance to vote on this. So how do we hold those individuals accountable? And it's exactly that. It's, it's local elections and, and, and demanding that other folks do this. And you brought up the, the reworking the education of history. 
And I felt moved for that because now we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of the March on Milwaukee, which even in an effort to encapsulate this, focuses on Father Grappi, who although a great man, discredits the fact that this is a movement of black teenagers who march forward like your Fred Reeds, like you know, your apprentice McKinney, and now we're forced to take this critical long look to examine our own precious Milwaukee history of, of combating racism and um, taking a look at the Fair Housing Act and the, and the Civil Rights Act of 1968, and are finding 50 years later that we have to retell this or we'll forget it and we'll get pushed back. And children don't understand how brutal it was to have dogs sick on your mom and papa when they go to vote. Uh, and, and if we don't tell that, then we're complicit in the whitewashing of the history. And that's why this message, I mean, from Orwell is so relevant. And part of it is because he was so disappointed in what happened post the 1918 communist revolution in Russia. You know, this great utopia that folks believe in a workers' revolution dissolved into yet another totalitarian regime. All of you have brought up some of these tools. Um, we've talked about how democracy is all about giving voice to the people. Uh, are there other ways in which we all can better participate in our democracy? We talked about voting um, and educating ourselves and maybe talking about retelling our history in strong, strengthening ways. Um, but are there other things that, that everyone here can do now, today, next week um, to better participate in our democracy? Yes, and I'll pass it on. There's a thousand things we can do. Everyone here needs to mentor someone and there you have to be formal about the word mentor. If, if they have an experience, whether it's through business or education, speaking multiple languages, being technologically savvy, uh, they need to bridge that with somebody else and they need to share that information and share their skill sets. And if there's somebody lesser, younger, less experienced, they need to teach them how to open a bank account, the importance of studying, the importance of getting out past the reality <coughs> that we know here within our communities and sharing it. We need to diversify where we exist. We live in arguably the most segregated city in the United States of America. Where do we go to eat? Where do we go to shop? Who are we seated with at the table? We need to examine that and get past that and make sure that we can level up. Voting is super important. Campaigning, taking folks to knock on doors. Um, whether I'm nonpartisan, obviously, when I'm on the clock, but if you believe in something, you, you need to advocate for that something. You can't assume that somebody else is gonna have your best interest at heart. If we're disturbed that so few people turn out to vote, then we have to do something about it other than just be disturbed. I think we really need to get money out of politics. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we need to get rid of Citizens United Corporation. And right now, um, money has a big influence. You alluded to a lot of them just from environmental and other regulations. Uh, housing's a big issue for our community. Integrated housing, but affordable, decent housing is, is a big issue for our community. And you're right, we need to mentor other people and we need to get together. I think too that we just need to be better informed and we need to look for Sometimes the story behind the story, you know, you alluded to it a little bit with voter fraud. You know, if you, a lot of people think there's voter fraud and there isn't. Uh, and the rules that were passed 
saying that it's to safeguard elections and to prevent voter fraud really weren't about that. The story behind the story is that it was a way to suppress the vote, to keep people that might vote the way you don't like from voting. I mean, big hurdles for people to get registered and get what they need to get to the polling place. This was in the Sunday paper a couple weeks ago in the New York Times. And it says, the truth has a voice. And I think one of the ways for us to get at the truth is to be better informed and to get our, our news from more than one source. And, you know, a free press is another area that's really, really crucial right now and important right now. And all of us need to work on that. Um, so, I think there's a few things that we could do. Um, one, I, I'd start by saying, uh, man, man must first remove his ego. And then I feel only that this nation will be able to truly progress forward. <laughs> Secondly, uh, I think uh, we need to be non-traditional in our approach. We're living in a very non-traditional, tech-driven world. Uh, I really appreciate our partnership with the rep and COA because they allow us to use a lot of non-traditional methods, such as music and, and arts, to help provoke a certain, a certain uh, spark within young people, whether that's to start businesses, whether that's uh, combating the opioid crisis that is going on, whether that's combating the stolen cars epidemic that's going on in the city. And what we've learned that a lot of this is learned behavior from whether that's images they've consistently seen, music they've heard, and so forth. So we challenge young people to, you know, be a be be a reflection to your peers that uh, you can control the tune that you march to. You don't have to listen to that music. You can put out alternative expressions and help. Oh, you know, I can start a business and get money. I don't need to uh, steal a car to get money. And then I think if we somehow uh, find a way, which we're working on, to figure out how to make cool political songs to <laughs> inspire new young voters, because we do know that that is the disconnect. Uh, young people between the ages of 18 to about 34 is who is missing in a lot of these elections. And then uh, it was one more thing I had. And, oh, we have to empower new leaders, really, until we really identify who the new leaders are, they will just continuously have the same. And what we're dealing with is the same. Just leaders follow certain leaders, and until we identify the leaders that represent our needs, then that's what we'll, we'll be able to see the change. And in order to put those leaders in position, we need to provoke other individuals to go out and vote. So. I think the only thing that I can really think of is to, if we want a country that serves everyone's interests, is that we do have to open up our silos. I think uh, we all operate in silos, whether it be uh, 
political, social, economic, racial, especially here in the city of Milwaukee. And it is if we're at work and it's that person that we don't see, we don't feel like we have any interest with, inviting them to lunch. If it's you know the neighbor that we rarely talk to, is having a conversation. We have to have a basis of where we're trying to go, what we're trying to do, and who we're trying to be. And I think all of us want the same thing for the most part. You know, people want to have shelter. People want to feel safe. People uh, want to be able to be their best. And we just need to break down those institutions uh, that stop people from doing that. And we should all work together to do that. Thank you so much. I completely agree. And thank you all so much for being here. And thank you, audience, for coming. Thanks for joining us for this Community Conversations panel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media with the hashtag MILWREP to let us know your thoughts. We hope to see you at the Rep or on Facebook Live for the next dialogue, but if you aren't able to be there, you can always find our most recent panel discussions here on the Community Conversations podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, there are more ways to get involved with the Rep. You can attend a community dinner, come to a post-show dialogue facilitated by the Zeidler Center for Public Discussion, or you can dive into the artistic process yourself during our community workshops. Visit our website at milwaukeerep.com and click on the Engage and Learn tab for more information. Until then, stay engaged.